Hi everyone, and welcome to the Daily Bible Reading Show,、uh, where I usually, usually what would happen is I read a passage of scripture that takes me through the entire Bible in a year. But because it's Sunday today, and I'm going to be speaking on a particular passage this afternoon, I spent the entire morning working on the text, working on the illustrations, working on the application. And I'll share some of that preparation with you、um, in this live stream. I've done a bit of that yesterday already. I just looked at the text,、uh, but since then I've done a bit more homework,、um, thought about it a bit more, and especially, especially with the illustrations. And I wanted to do this live stream particularly just for the illustrations. So I'm not going to preach the text. I'm just going to show you what I have so far. Anyway, I can't because I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> But I thought it's important to show you that process where I'm just thinking through how can I make this accessible, and clear and understandable, particularly to the audience I'm speaking to in the Chinese church. So for what it's worth, this is what I have from this morning's、um, pulling together of all my thoughts, and this is the result that I have.、Um, okay, just、uh, to set up the context, I'm looking at one Corinthians chapter eleven. Verses two to sixteen. I call it head to hair to heart, and those are my three points: head, hair, and heart. I should I should start by praying. Let me pray, Heavenly Father. I pray especially for this afternoon.、Uh, pray for、um, the time leading up to it. Help me to be prepared. Help me to be as clear and as faithful as possible, for the sake of Your name.、Uh, please, would You enable all of us to come to Your Word. With humility,、uh, seeking to understand your will for our lives, seeking to give glory to you in our lives as we live out the gospel, as we give thanks to you for this salvation that has come to us through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. So help me now,、um, at least, to sharpen my thinking and my preparation from this passage. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So head to hair to heart. And I begin. I'm not sure. Let me just check if you can. You see this actually?、Uh, I hope I hope you can. Okay, all right. So、um, I begin with a picture of George Clooney, because apparently, apparently,、uh, I only found this out this morning. George Clooney cuts his own hair, and not just during lockdown. You know, I've been cutting my own hair over lockdown, and it's been not fun. <laughs> you can you can see the results, and even. But look at this guy. I mean, he cuts his own hair, and he's done it for twenty five. Years, that's incredible, and he uses this contraption called the Flowbie. I actually have a clip here. I think he appeared on the Jimmy Kimmel show、uh, in December 2020, and he it shows him actually using this thing. It's like part vacuum, part clipper, and you essentially cut your own hair. <laughs> I think.、Uh, Ever since this clip came out,、um, everyone's been trying to buy this. You can't buy it anymore. But it's incredible. He used to look like this back in the 1980s, but now you know this is him, his own barber. And apparently, he also cuts、uh, the hair of his wife and his kids as well. So, you know, would you let your dad cut your hair? You know, if your dad was George Clooney, then maybe. But <laughs> no.、Um, speaking of cutting hair,、uh, back in Malaysia, if you turned up in school. With this kind of hairstyle, this thing called a mullet, which is very popular,、uh, 
um, I, who who is that that singer again with the long hair? Michael Bolton is is that his name? Yeah, it was very popular in the nineteen eighties. And so, if you turned out with that in school, what happened is your discipline master, someone you call the guru discipline, would do this. He'll cut your hair for you. And here, you know, this guy's hairstyle looks pretty good, but my discipline master would just go. <laughs> and the point was, it was a punishment. You know, don't turn him in school like this. You know, it's it's just not proper. And the reason why I'm sharing all these, you know, random illustrations about hair, about George Clooney, is because today's passage is about um, hairstyles. It's about headship, and somehow there's a connection between how your hair looks to who your head is, who your boss is, who's above you, because like your hair is on top of your head. That that's the idea. But also how it connects to your heart or worship before God, and those are kind of my three points. Uh, there's head, everyone has a head, but also hair. Not to say that everyone has hair. Some people don't have hair, but somehow the way in which you display your headship needs to be visible. And Paul uses the illustration of hair. But finally, what it really needs to affect you. Uh, at the core is your heart. You need to submit yourselves before Jesus Christ as Lord, but also to one another in this order of headship that He's placed here in the church. So those are my three points. Um, yep. So I start by looking at uh, verse three, and um, again, I'm not preaching this. I'm just giving you the illustrations, just thinking through and sharpening it. And you notice the word head, head, and head. And there are three people. There's the man, there's the woman, and there's Christ. And it's, it's almost as if if you put these three figures next to each other, the man, the woman, and Christ, what you're meant to see is not just the three individuals, but you're meant to see their head. The man has a head, the woman has a head, and Christ has a head. And you know, Christ's head, God, you know, he submitted himself on the cross to God's will. But as a result, we are put under God's headship, under, you know, for the man, it's Christ, but the controversial thing is that the woman's head is man, and go, oh no, no, <laughs> that's that's kind of the controversial point from this uh, passage. And we'll deal with that. We'll deal with that. But at least just from verse three, which all I wanted to say was that there's a there. Everyone has a head. That's just the first point. Everyone under Christ has. In submission to Christ, a submission towards one another. For the man, it's Christ. For the woman, it's man. And even for Christ, it is God. And so again, the point is that everyone has a head, even Christ. Everyone has this sign of authority. Yeah, point one. So simple, right? But if you get that, if you get that, you know, we are not our own selves. We've submitted ourselves to God, and therefore there needs to be this visible sign of submission and authority. I think this passage becomes very clear. On to verse 2. Sorry, point 2, and this is verse 4. Uh, Every man who prays or prophesies with his head. And I wanted to to point out this, this phrase, praise or prophesies. He says every man who does this. And he talks about every woman who prays and prophesies. So it's kind of like in church where everyone is praying, everyone is coming together as a church. As they do this, they give their devotion towards God in prayer and in prophecy. And the first thing I just want to notice is that this is 
what's happening right here. You know, I'm speaking at a Chinese church. This is what we are doing. We're coming together, not just as a club, but we're coming together, gathered around God's word. God's word. You know, when you pray, you're speaking to God. When you're prophesying, you're speaking God's word. So examples would be, you know, I've um, someone's going to be leading songs. I won't mention his name. Um, someone's going to be praying. I don't know who's going to be praying. Someone's going to be reading. Actually, I need to find someone to read the passage. But all these things, all these these different elements that involve God's word, involves God's people. And when they do this, Paul is saying you need to do something. There is a kind of order of worship that needs to be seen, especially when you come together as God's church. So first thing, it's, it's talking about the church. Um, but secondly, what it's saying is that if you come together as a church, you need to have this visible sign of headship. And what he says is for the man, you must not cover your head because if you cover your head, you're dishonoring your head, you're dishonoring Christ. But for the woman, it's different. For the woman, you must cover your head. It says here, verse 5, every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered. It's almost as if it's having your head shaved. <laughs> so meaning uh, come, to your, come to church, you know, wear a hat. And, and, you know, here in the UK, we don't do it in Malaysia because it's so hot. But here in the UK, um, you see people wearing hats. And it's not because of fashion. It's actually because of this passage in 1 Corinthians 11. You see it in the Catholic Church. You see it in some brethren churches. I used to go to a brethren church, and some women would tie like this napkin on their head. I used to wonder why. Uh, I was thinking, you know, if it rains, it's not very effective. But, you know, it's, it's a sign of headship. And Paul says, if you don't do this, verse 6, he says, you might as well have your hair cut off. So George Clooney is going to come and shave off your hair. And the point is, it's not just cultural. You know, when the queen, so it's a picture of the queen, when she goes to church, next time you notice this when she is, you know, um, going for a wedding or, you know, sadly recently in a funeral of um, the Duke of Edinburgh, she was wearing a hat. And it's out of, um, it's not just cultural. You know, it's out of a sign of respect and obedience to God's word. Even the queen does this. So point two is that this head covering, you know, it's a visible sign of point one. You know, point one says that all of us have a head, but it, but point two says you need to see that there is this head, that it needs to be this head covering. How it applies to West, I haven't gone there yet, but at least from the flow of the text, you know, there's this visible sign in this church that the, these women have a head, a sign of authority over their heads by wearing little hats. And it continues on to today. So, okay, so far, right? I mean, point one, point two, head and hairstyles. Point three, point three. So point three, it's talking about the heart. And what, I'm using that word heart even though it doesn't occur in the passage because I'm thinking about how does it apply to me today? You know, all of us today, you know, and, you know, I come from Malaysia and when you say head covering, immediately I think of um, Tudong, you know, uh, Muslim women, uh, all Muslim women generally, most of them wear uh, head coverings and it's again part of their religious piety. Is that what Christians ought to do? Or uh, if you look at a different translation of the Bible, the ESV replaces the word woman for the word wife. 
So it's almost directly applying this within a specific context. Wives, submit to your husbands. So if you remember verse 3, we said that the head of a woman is a man, but it replaces here with the wife is her husband. And maybe, you know, maybe that might be the right context. I think there is something there about um, women in marriage, you know, honoring their husbands by submitting to them. So does it mean that only married women need to have this kind of covering on their heads? Um, I think the general idea, though, general gist of this passage is that there is a difference between the man and the woman. And the differences you see, first of all, in creation, but in the new creation. So there are two halves to this argument. Firstly, in creation, and this is, again, from 1 Corinthians 11, it says, uh, the man did not come from woman, but woman from man, neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. And this is talking about marriage, uh, where there's a man and a woman loving one another, leading and submitting towards one another. But the language used reminds, the language that's used here reminds us of Genesis. If you remember, uh, in Genesis, two things happen. You know, the man um, has this woman created from man. You know, the first part, man did not come from woman, but woman from man. The, God took the rib from the man and made the woman from the rib. And then God says, this woman is made for man as his helper. He looks at a man and he says, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And so it's obviously talking about Genesis and how God created this order of relationships within marriage. So firstly, yeah, so it's talking about marriage, it's talking about Genesis chapter 2, uh, and talking about creation. But almost immediately after that, Paul talks about the new creation in the church. And Paul, this is verse 10. It is for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, the woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman, for as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman. But everything comes from God. So this is a bigger picture from just man and woman in marriage, but this is talking about men and women in the Lord, in the church, in the new creation. And it's saying that all this comes from God. Both men and women need one another. You know, the idea of being head and being submissive doesn't mean that I can do this on my own. By saying, you know, you need one another. The idea of God giving you this headship and this submission is that so that you can work together, you can love together, and you can be in relationship with one another. And seeing that happen, not just in marriage, but within the church, is something that God has given that makes it point to he towards heaven, point towards a kind of relationship that is full, that there is this complementariness, there is this kind of working together and this headship and submission that reflects Christ and the church. Um, by the way, I'm, I'm still working this out. So I, I know it's not quite as tight as it can be, but I'm still working out this, this illustration. And um, I end, and I haven't gotten to my last point yet because I'm stuck here. But um, just to think out loud, what I have here are just a couple of um, 
application points for the men and the women. And therefore, so how do you apply this to our lives now? Is it that all the women have to wear head coverings? The men have to be in charge? Well, the tenor of the passage is that these are a series of warnings. What happens when you disobey this command, when you think this is not relevant to us? And so for the men, um, I'll speak to the men first. The men, you know, here is a picture of Homer in relationship to his wife, uh, Marge. And, you know, for the men, the warning there is not to abuse our power, not to abuse our headship. And you can abuse it actively or passively. You can abuse it actively by, you know, laying down the law, law, you know, I'm the boss, you need to listen to me, and you, know, you need to do what I say. That's active uh, misuse of power, that's abuse. But more often than not, and I think this is closer to the context in 1 Corinthians 11 that gives rise to this problem, I think it's unuse of power. It's a passive abuse of your headship, whereby because you're in charge, you get away with not doing stuff. You get away with, you know, no one questioning you when things aren't done, where you get away with just, you know, you know, getting, you know, making a big deal about all the stuff you do, but actually you don't want to do it. You just say, I'm busy. You know, someone needs help in the church, you're a church leader, and you go, oh, you know, I have so many other things to do. And that then gives rise to the problem for the women. Because you see, the women here are called to submit to the leadership, submit to the head. And it is so hard so difficult for them to submit in this situation. And therefore, you can almost understand when they go, all right, you know what? I'm just going to do this on my own. And sometimes, you know, it works out really well. You see that women then are more conscientious, more responsible, more faithful, more transparent, especially when the men don't do their job well. But that's the temptation. I think that's the context of this passage whereby, you know, to resist that temptation, to kind of usurp that kind of order of creation that God has instituted, not just in the original creation, just not just in marriage, but here in the church, here among God's people, where Christ is the head and the church lives in submission to him. Yeah, so that's for, uh, how far I've gone. I need to come up with one last concluding point, uh, and I haven't come up with it yet. But, you know, for what it's worth, this is where I've got to so far. Um, I know it isn't done, and I know I need to kind of tie it up. I just can't think of anything how to tie it up yet. But um, yeah, this is the fruit of the last few hours of thinking through the passage, of putting the illustrations together, putting these slides together. Hope that was helpful. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Let, let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I pray again um, for that last point, just for that last concluding application point of how do we then apply this to our lives today, such that that submission, that headship, that love is visible in our lives. I don't want this just to be uh, so that the sermon is memorable or good, but I, I want this to be such that we see that you're speaking to us today, that it matters. The way in which we live out our lives in submission towards one another shows our submission to you. Help us to do this. Help us to work this out in our lives in the Chinese church. And for whoever is listening here, please bless them as well uh, with this knowledge and this understanding and this faithfulness. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me. Um, yep, this has been Head to Hair to Heart. Uh, just my illustrations. I'm, I'm still thinking it through for this afternoon at the Chinese church. Thanks for joining me. Take care. Bye. Bye.